Hello, welcome to Utopia Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined down the line by David Hartrick. How are you doing, David Hartrick? Yeah, very good. It's nice to have uh, a couple of, of positive games to talk about, really. Yeah, imagine that. I mean, I think last week we were sitting here feeling a little bit doom and gloom after the, the Fulham game and feeling like, you know, oh, they didn't play well against Preston, but they got the three points fair play to them. And since then, we've seen another win um, and we've seen the best performance Town have put in for quite some time, despite the scoreline against Everton. Uh, We'll start with the Sheffield United game. It was a really dull game, let's be honest. Um, Not a lot happening for about an hour or so for either team. And then the Town make that substitution, the double sub. They bring on Campbell and Toffolo. They go from a 3-5-2 to a 3-4-3. And that 20-minute period changes the game. Town looked much better in that shape. And then, uh, unfortunately, they, they weren't able to hold out. Billy Sharp pops up with a with a well-taken goal, does what he's spent his career doing by putting that one in the back of the net. Before Levi Colwell gets a tap-in off Harry Toffolo's assist. Striker's it was, instinct. Uh, <laughs> striker's instinct, yeah. It was probably the right result in the end, to be fair, though. Uh, yeah, I, I think it should be said that the changes... The changes brought about the win and the goal, but the three-five-two from the start, I think, put them in the position to be able to do that. I, I wouldn't say it was a perfect performance, but I did make the point on extra time on Town's extra time show. If you write it down on paper, it's essentially the perfect away performance in that you stay tight, you stay compact, and then you go for it with for the last twenty minutes, and you come away with the three points. That's that's pretty much what Town did. And it was a bit dull. That first half won't live particularly long in the memory. But, you know, like, you go away to somewhere like Bramall Lane and really it is just about the three points, isn't it? You can't... It's tough to It's tough to criticise. Your home games, you need to sort of show something and be a bit more exciting and have a bit of flair and entertain. But if you're going to Bramall Lane, you just want to try and come away with something. And that's what, that's what Town did. Yeah, I thought it was... Absolutely the right game plan from the start, which was, you know, Sheffield United, I don't think Town had a shot before. Well, they didn't. They didn't have a shot before Campbell and Toffolo came on. And Sheffield United, I think, had had 14 or something like that. But they didn't really look like posing Town too much danger. I think we know that Sheffield United are struggling a lot at the moment, that particularly in attack, that they're really not creating any chances. They've got all the same problems that Town had in the second half of last season or all the problems they had two years ago, probably more accurately. Um and against a team like that, you, you can set up away from home to be like, do you know what, we might not score, but we're going to stop you from scoring. I think we would have been quite happy with a nil-nil, to be perfectly honest. Um, and a 1-1, obviously, in those circumstances would have been disappointing. But apart from anything else, it was a big show of, of character to keep going to the end there and get that winner. Yeah, exactly. And I I, it, I mean, it was a masterclass in blocking, really, that first, that first mm. 60 minutes, because there were... Towns defenders, I thought, were were pretty good. They... <sighs> There was nothing coming from midfield. I think it's important to say it was far from a perfect performance. The the midfield weren't really supporting the defence effectively and they weren't really supporting the attack effectively. But They were getting pulled too deep, weren't they? Yeah. Like wait, you you wait. had that, that, that line of three and then you almost had yeah. a line of five, uh, you know, uh, just 
just way too deep. The, the gap to to poor Danny Ward and Josh Garoma was well, was enormous. Gargantuan, yeah. They, and the problem is they were getting pulled so deep that they they're getting pulled into that area where they're actually getting in the defender's way rather than actively helping them. You know, like collecting a ball off a defender when you're in your own third anyway is not is not effective. You know, you've got to you got to be a bit more proactive than that. Um, but yeah, I thought defensively Town were were excellent, and you've got to think that that's a seven day turnaround from you know a bit of a clown car of a performance against Fulham where everything went wrong. That's that's good. That's impressive, and I think we'll pull we'll pull a, a few things apart from this game. But Naby Zar was was uh, he's mm. he's been criticised by a lot of Town fans quite rightly on some occasions, wrongly on others. But here he was. I, I mean, I think that's his best performance in a town shirt don't you yeah I, I think he's he's had a really good start to the season he looks especially at home playing in the middle of that back three rather than out on the left um where he played against Everton um he just he looks a lot more comfortable I mean you, you spoke to to Naby mm. before the uh before the Everton game and we're quite impressed with what he had to say yeah he's a he's a very you know, he's somebody who thinks about football. You can tell he's somebody you could sit and talk for an hour. You know, tactically, etc., and and be absolutely enthralled. He's he talked about playing in the middle or playing on the left of the back three, and he's he's very comfortable in the middle because he feels he's got a little bit more a little bit more license to commit. I think it would be fair to say. Mm. He was saying he doesn't mind playing on the left because you can be a little bit more attacking and you can step out defence a little bit more, which he enjoys. But he's really happy in the middle and I think that I think that shows because he can go and win the ball he feels comfortable doing that he feels you know let's be honest he's absolutely massive so you want him competing in the air you want him committing you want him going for things uh, but if you give him the sort of safety blanket of having two center backs either side of him I think that's that's the way you get the best from him now I'm not saying he should play more minutes than anybody else like he did last season but I think town have already proved here that there's a couple of ways to play over the course of this season they won't use a 3-5-2 in every single game going forward but to to have a system that brings more from certain defenders I think is very very useful yeah and that switch to the three up top town suddenly looked like they're full of attacking threat you know Mm. it was in that sort of 21 minute period when they were playing that 3-4-3 and then they switched back they brought on Alex Vallejo went back to the 3-5-2 but in that 20 minute period not only did Town suddenly have a lot of threat and they got the opening goal through Josh Caroma. Um, Fraser Campbell made a huge difference, I thought, tactically. He was, you know, we, we talked about the, the front three being isolated. He was coming deep to win the ball. He was pressing high up and actually created a chance for himself by winning the ball off a defender. Sorba Thomas was out on the right wing rather than at left wing back and he his cut inside created the goal for, for Josh Caroma, although he, he needed, uh, it doesn't count as an official assist because uh, Caroma needed two, two goes at it to put it in the net. But they suddenly, in that 20 minutes, looked much more at home and much more like themselves. Yeah, they did. And I think, as I said, I think it's important to say that's because they had the platform of the of the hour being yeah. really safe and solid. I think it was interesting that 
I think Corbin reacted really, really well because they put Bulldog in behind just to go and sit in that space as other teams have done against Town out wide just to try and upset their rhythm and, and stop them being effective down that side. And he reacted down by bringing... Thomas's side, that side. Yeah. yeah. So, and they reacted by bringing uh, Toffolo on and changing the system and I thought it worked and you have to give Corbin credit for that. Um, Particularly and, as Toffolo obviously wasn't ready to start. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was clear that, that Toffolo's only instruction. The, the medical advice was Toffolo can only have half an hour because as soon as the hour ticked over, they were there ready with the with the double sub. They were clearly desperate to get Toffolo on and and make that switch. Yeah, and I it, it worked. It worked. It nullified that threat from Bulldog completely. Um, but also the other big switch was was Fraser Campbell coming on. And as in your position as Fraser Campbell's number one fan, <laughs> stroke defender, I think you should probably praise him. Yeah, I mean. I think it's clear at this point that both from his performance against Sheffield United and against Everton, neither of which were like absolutely stellar individual centre-forward play, but just tactically what he brings to the team, the amount of work he does off the ball, particularly against Everton, he was an absolute monster, he terrorised them. Um, But also, it's clear that Josh Gromer really likes playing off Fraser Campbell. It's yeah, yeah. We, we we've talked about it before in terms of like Heskey and Owen kind of thing, uh, and obviously it's a very different dynamic. But um, you know, Michael Owen always used to absolutely love playing with Emil Heskey because he knew that Heskey would basically go and do all the dirty work for him and just free him up to get into positions to score goals, which is what he does best. And it's it's not a coincidence that Josh Gromer looked alongside Danny Ward looked complete completely isolated until Campbell came on. And that, that's partly because they were able to switch to the, the three up top and they had uh, they had Silver Thomas making runs and making causing trouble on the other side as well. But I think I think Town look better with Fraser Campbell in the side. I think last season he probably was played more often than than would would have been ideal. I think there were games where you wanted a finisher on the pitch rather than uh, someone who's going to be doing a lot of the the dirty work off the ball or you know or creating space for others. You do need there are occasions where you need that that finisher that number nine and Town did miss that last season. But there is a utility for Fraser Campbell, which is you know we're talking about a guy who. He's 33 years old. Um, you know, he's he's about to turn 34 in, in a couple of weeks. And he's still, you know, he said last season he's in the best shape he's been in for, for quite some time. He doesn't look like he's winding down. And he's probably their best option at number nine at this point. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's like it's like the Saar conversation, isn't it? That playing him in the middle of a three, the other two players make him better because they allow him to do certain things. And sometimes you do sacrifice certain areas or certain abilities on the pitch to bring more from others. Josh Caroma has struggled this season. He's not looked anywhere near fit. When Campbell came on, he suddenly looked interested. He suddenly mm. realised, I think, that the pockets of space that were open to him last season were going to be open to him again. And I think that's that's important. And I'm not so sure that Fraser Campbell should be so important at this stage after no. another transfer window. That's the thing. But yeah. he is, and he's still here at the club, and he's happy. So I think horses for courses, to be brutally honest with you. If there, if there are game situations where Fraser Campbell is going to work, you have to do it. And last night against Everton, as you said, he was, he was really good. He put in a really good sort of hassling strikers performance he was 
he didn't score and there will be people listening to this podcast and will probably comment on it um, saying he's got to score, he's a striker, you've got to get goals from your striker. But if Town can find other ways to score goals because of what Fraser Campbell's doing, that's that's fine. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting that when they switched to that three up top, I, it, it was slightly unnerving how much better they were <laughs> in, <laughs> it, without wishing to sound negative. But... It, it really was like a completely different approach and a completely different sort of mindset. And that's slightly, not, not, I don't, worrying's maybe not the right word, but it's quite telling, I think. It's quite telling. And I think they need to, they need to find ways because it's that classic thing of whether you play a, a 3 4 3 or a 4 3 3. However, you do your front line, you need to ask different questions from game to game, or, or good analysts will work you out straight away. And, you know, like a good analyst will just say, right, well, if we shut Fraser Campbell off and all he's got is running, then we're also shutting areas that Karoma wants to get into off as well. So, yeah, they need to just be a little bit careful on that score. But it, it's it's harsh to criticise, I think, but there it is. Yeah, I mean, ideally you want a striker who can do both sides of the game that we talked about. And I think that they're, they're missing that. But we got the news after the game that, that Jordan Rhodes is going to be mm. out for uh, around two months, I think was the initial prognosis. Well, they, they think, having spoke to, um, I spoke to, to Corbyn about this in the last press conference and they think it's going to be a bit longer because it's very it's an injury very very similar to Toffolo's last season he was out for about 12 weeks total so I think mm. you're probably looking to an R3 months as a minimum because it's uh it sounds quite nasty he's got an issue actually with a bone um that has, has got to heal properly so I don't I don't think he can train or anything at the moment I don't know that for no. definite but I think it's it's one that you really have to treat carefully because otherwise you you could lose him for six months you know yeah I mean it's not like you can put a back in a cast you know you no, have to no. you have to just be careful and with that, it, don't that's you? what they had to do with Toff last year is he, he got that suspension for the red card didn't he and it was like okay well this is the moment we have to we have to now look at this yeah that would yeah that was exactly it they they you know he'd been playing through it and then they gave him a, a scan when he got suspended just like okay well let's have a look now we've got the chance and found it was it was they couldn't ignore it basically and he, mm. they had to, to take him out of action but I think him being back in the side and he, he started against Everton I don't think he's I don't think he was at his best against Everton but he's obviously you know he's he's coming back for we talked last week about um you know about the players that have been out with COVID and how they're not going to be up to speed straight away but I just think what he again similar to Campbell what he brings aside what he allows Carlos Corbran to do is is massive and probably we should move on to the Everton game now because that allowed him to move Sorba Thomas across to right wing back rather than left wing back you had Danel Sonani playing ahead of Sorba Thomas on left wing had Dwayne Holmes playing ahead of of Harry Toffolo and it worked like we've complained a lot about you know the lack of creator in midfield you know we've we've not shut up about it all summer the the fact that they've not replaced Carolite and they don't have that Aaron Moy type in the middle but when you've got so much sort of creativity and flair coming up the flanks and you've got the energy of a Scott High or a Lewis O'Brien or a Jonathan Hogg uh, in midfield, it it almost doesn't matter. You you turn a weakness into a strength that way. Yeah, and I think at the moment, I, we said it on the last podcast as well, I think when you've got a Sorba Thomas who is brimming with confidence, uh, absolutely loving life playing football, I, mm. I think you just utilise him the every <laughs> and any which way you can. And last night was 
I mean, I said to you at half-time, and I continued second half, really, I thought last night was everything Sorba Thomas is at the moment, which is young, raw, not the finished product, but like a massive potential, really enthusiastic, very exciting. That moment where he flicked it over the full-back yeah. and got onto it, that's the sort of I thing... I can't get that, it out of my head, that, that was... Yeah. That's that the sort sublime. of thing that, that, you know, town fans haven't seen from anyone for, for a long time. And ultimately, they're the moments that you come away from 90 minutes thinking about. They're the, they're the moments that get you off your seat. And I, I said to, we were talking to, to Dave Frelfall Sykes before the game, and I said to him, you know, how interesting it was that on the left of us, there was a kid in a Sorba Thomas 16 shirt. Right, there was a Sorba Thomas 16 shirt. There was another couple sat further up. He's having a real impact. He's having a real impact. And long may that continue because he does offer something different from, from any other option at the moment. And with Pippa out for three months as well. So I think they that injury, he's been carrying it for a long time. And I think if they could have given him a rest last season, they would have done. But they obviously, they didn't have proper cover at fullback. And he even had to play left back on a number of occasions because... Um, you know, Carlos Gorbrand didn't clearly didn't fancy Jaden Brown to play in that position. Um, yeah. and again, <sighs> that was one that when I when I spoke to Corbyn about it, he said that it, they'd been trying to manage it without surgery, and it yeah, got exactly. to the point where there was there was no other option. Well, as he said, there was no other possibility longer term other than to bite the bullet and have the have the surgery. So he he said three months. Um, in the last press conference, and that is a big blow because it would be it would be lovely to see Thomas and Pippa in tandem down the right hand side, wouldn't it? That's that's something. Yeah. Uh, if you look at Town's two flanks, with you use their first options, so you've got you know Toffolo, O'Brien in the middle, and then Karoma left, and then on the right you've got Pippa and Thomas with likely Dwayne Holmes on the right. Suddenly that looks quite effective but yeah it's going to be three months before we get the chance to see it unfortunately yeah I can I think there's been a lot of criticism from fans and I can understand it after the number of long-term injuries they had last year um that they've now lost two players to, to long-term injuries but I I mean Rhodes is just one of those things and he came I think, with uh, that injury by the way I think it should yeah be said. Uh, that, that's not they said that's not the, great is it no they said in the press conference that he arrived with some pain in his back but they were they were managing it and he was training normally um and it, yeah it's not it's not wonderful it's not a perfect situation but all you can do at this point is just get him fully fit yeah. you know get him recovered properly but i think pippa is a different situation i think you have to remember that he was you know he was in the squad for the Spain under 21s yeah, and exactly. was hoping to go there and if he hadn't made you know he, he didn't make the under 21 squad because of the injury and I think you know you do wonder if he might have had hopes of going to the Olympics because he, he would have qualified for, for the Spain yeah. team he's the right yeah, age yeah. he was you know he was obviously the start for the under 21s so you can understand why they would take the view look let's try and avoid the surgery if we can let's try and manage it and you know, they said at the start of the season, Carlos told us that it, it just hadn't worked as as they hoped it would. So I think it's easy in hindsight to say, well, he should have gone and had the surgery back in, well, possibly back in, in sort of, you know, February, March, whenever it was it started, or certainly that he should have gone for it in May. But I think there are, there are factors there that, that maybe made them try and take a bit more of a conservative approach and see what happened. It is unfortunate that they're missing him. And I think that a couple of weeks ago, he told us we're going to be without Pippa for effectively half the season. 
it would set alarm bells ringing. But I think now we've seen, we like Town with that back three. We like Sorba Thomas as a wing back. Mm. Actually, Sorba Thomas could be the solution there. I mean, we, we ask, I asked Carlos Gobran after the game last night, will you be in the market for a right back now? And, you know, he said that they always keep their options open. But he also said we might, we might just look to solve it with the players we've got. And I think Turton's done okay, not great. Um, considering he was signed as cover, I think he, he's shown that he can be he, cover. He's a, but different, he's a very different type of player. Yeah. That's the thing. He's, he's just, it's not that he's done anything wrong or anything badly. He He's just a more conservative type fullback option, yeah. isn't he? And he wasn't signed to play, you know, no, 30 a, games this season. Cast, you know, as a like, <laughs> marauding right wing back, no. was he? He was signed to play sort of 10 games as and when needed. And But I think Sorba Thomas, I mean, it's, it's almost that, I, I think he's best position is on the wing but I think he's doing so well at wing back I almost would be tempted to say well you don't want to move him regardless of of, of who's fit it's that Theo Walcott yeah. thing Theo Walcott always used to say oh I want to play as a centre forward it's like yeah but you're scoring goals off the right wing mm. so yeah well I, I think Sorba Thomas now is one of town's two or three undroppable players and I think he's. He, we both sort of named him as potentially the breakout player this season. We were both excited about what he was doing in pre-season. But I think the other aspect to his game is his set-piece delivery, which mm. has slightly come from nowhere because I don't think either of us were expecting he was going to be the answer to that question. I think we were thinking possibly Dwayne Holmes, possibly even Lewis O'Brien. But his set-piece delivery is it's phenomenal, unbelievable it? at the moment. Unbelievable. I mean... We joke about him getting. <laughs> we've joked in person at games about him getting forty six assists this season because because uh, of the way he's going. But yeah, it's it's phenomenal and it's such a weapon for town now with the way they've recruited. So they've got Pierce and they've got Lees, they've got Sar. They are really really deadly at set pieces now. And how mm. many times on this podcast have we moaned that they're not getting enough from set pieces because the delivery was rubbish or you know, at one point, Corbyn admitted they'd barely been working on set pieces because um, it was mm. almost like it almost felt like there was sort of next to no point. And set piece goals are seven to seven to ten points a season, I would say, yeah. and that's seven to ten points a season that Town haven't had. And it's already been proved that they've not put a ninety minutes together yet, and yet they've got seven points. And most of those yeah. goals have come from set pieces. It's it's absolutely vital going forward. Absolutely vital that that Sorba Thomas stays in that team. And there'll come a point where his form dips because he's a very young yes. man who's never played a full season of Championship football before. And at some point, his body will just need a need a breather, need a break uh, from the sort of high intensity. But at the moment, you just have to capitalise on all the good things he does. He's possibly the informed creator in the championship at the moment and most of that is just the set pieces um i mean there was a spell last year sort of around christmas where isaac and benza was was putting him in and, and they're creating trouble that way but that was a really fleeting thing you know yeah. that that lasted maybe half a dozen games <clears throat> hopefully this year they can they can keep that up but i mean just we've we've talked about him and we've gushed about him a lot but just what he offers on the ball as well you know you can see he's enjoying himself so much i mean that you mentioned that flick over the defender's head against mm-hmm. Everton to do that against a Premier League opponent when you were playing non-league yeah. 12 months ago just shows the confidence that he has and the the you know how much he's enjoying playing and that is such a joy to see um and I, think and I thought the, I think the other side of it is we've not seen a proper ball carrier at town 
for a few years and Sober is quite happy to carry that ball two thirds of the pitch. He's yeah, quite happy. Lewis O'Brien can do it, but obviously in a yeah. position. And the you know, ten minutes to go when you're trying to see a game out, Sober has that ability to take the, the ball off the goalkeeper quickly and suddenly move you forty yards up the pitch. And again, that's something town haven't had. It's been me and you have sat on these podcasts and bemoaned how slow it is and how slow they are in transition. So to suddenly have a player who can do that, it does make a massive difference, doesn't it? And they've got two now as well with Toffolo back. You know, yeah. the, 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 I think we, we mentioned it uh, at some point that Lee Nichols, I think he's he's come in and for Schofield and had a, a big impact. I thought he was fantastic against Sheffield yeah. United, the way that he marshaled his box he made was. a huge, yeah, huge difference. I think there's still work to be done on the distribution there because there are a couple of times where Silver Thomas would go heading, heading off up the wing and and Nichols just wouldn't quite see it until too late but I think if they can nail that down and get those balls out to the flanks you know quickly on the break with those two runners they really could be in business and playing ahead of Sorba Thomas you had Danel Sonani his first start for the club we we have almost sort of overlooked him just because he's been such an unknown quantity uh not just because he's you know he's come from Luxembourg and played in Belgium and you know it's it's hard to judge that and say where that fits in against the championship standard but also just because we've not known where he's going to play you know he he's played sort of anywhere across the sort of the 3 in a 4-2-3-1 he made his first start against Everton and he looks a really interesting intriguing player he, he played on the right wing he's got clearly got an excellent left foot on him I thought he had not everything he did came off but he had the right ideas and yeah. I think I think even just having him and Thomas in the side who are clearly trying to play on the front foot trying to get things going trying to bring a bit of flair to the side is exactly what they have missed for the last eight months and you can see that that enthusiasm and that drive to try and make things happen transmitted to the rest of the side against Everton. Yeah, I I, I couldn't stop laughing then as you were talking because, like I texted you last night, I think he's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I don't. When I say fun, that doesn't necessarily translate to you know he's going to be an absolute <laughs> world beater, but he is Jamie Redknapp esque in his shoot on site policy. <laughs> um, <laughs> He missed a he missed a very good chance last night because he got a little bit overexcited when it came back to him, um, and he was a bit of a live wire. He, I thought, what was interesting again is that Town have recruited another player who is different to anybody else in the squad. We we've bemoaned when we've talked about the squad makeup that Town always tend to have a lot of the same type of player in the same areas, mm. and. It's good to have players who are a bit of an unknown quantity, and I feel like Sinani on certainly on last night's showing, and having watched him for the, the in the Premier League Cup game against Oxford, I think he's going to bring a little bit of that, and I think there's going to be games where he's going to be absolute garbage because his game is all about all about a little bit. A little bit like being Nabizar in a striking form in that you want to commit every time. So you want to take the man on. You want to get the shot off. You want to shoot even though you're in a ridiculous position. But I think there's also going to be games where there's going to be defenders who are just going to absolutely hate playing against him for that reason. Absolutely hate it. And like last night, you you if you'd have played that game and Sonani maybe had five ninety minutes under his belt, <laughs> you wonder last night if he would have scored one of the many, many shots he took 
um, but particularly that that really sharp chance that came back to him. You think if he was sort of more comfortable in the shirt and and, and five games in, you think he probably would have roofed that, and it would have been you know <laughs> the the crowd would have uh, would have absolutely loved it. But yeah, I think he's going to be I think he's going to be fun in at least five or six games this season. I also want to give a quick mention to Dwayne Holmes, who I think particularly for those watching on TV may have flown under the radar a little bit but he played on the the left wing nominally and he was certainly on the left wing when he was pressing that the the, the, pr- the press against Everton was absolutely vicious it was brilliant to see yeah. um but he, on the ball he was sort of dropping into he was almost like a false eight. He was dropping mm. into midfield positions. I thought that was the best performance we've seen from Dwayne Holmes for ages. He, he had that ball over the top for, for Campbell in the first half that if it just had a yard of backspin on it, would have given Campbell a one-on-one with Begovic that he would have scored. If Karoma's uh, running through there with an extra half yard of pace, mm. he gets something on it. I'd say yeah. that one. And he just he, he had that shot in the second half as well that was looked destined for the top corner I'm still not really sure how Begovic got to, I mean even even with Begovic getting to it he still only managed to sort of tip it onto the roof of the net it was a yeah. real minimal contact on it it was a brilliant two, effort two thirds of championship keepers don't get to that yeah and again this is I think that's more than anything the encouraging thing about the Everton performance is not only did they have that attacking verve and were on top for half an hour of that game the 15 minutes between the Everton goal and the red card town were on on top you know they, they deserve to be to get their equaliser they were very unfortunate although I think probably just about the right decision uh, if for the wrong reason uh, for, for Pearson's goal to be ruled out two he's had disallowed this season no look that lad um, but Tam were on top they were the better team you know if you'd, if you'd watch that not knowing which was the Premier League side and which was the Championship side you would have pegged Town as the Premier League side um, in that half hour period but the most pleasing thing is that they would that was a team with six changes to it you know you did have there was no Josh Caroma on the pitch Lewis O'Brien didn't come on until you know later on in the game Levi Caldwell wasn't starting that was a less than full strength town side and yes it was a much changed Everton side and yes Everton were poor on the day but it's still a Premier League side there's still lots of recognizable names in that starting lineup for Everton so for that side to put in that performance really fills you with a lot of hope because you're thinking wow if this is what half a second string side can do against a Premier League opponent then maybe they're onto something here they are but we've probably got to move on to the next phase of this discussion, really, which is that, like, again, it's not to be negative and it's not to be critical, but they've played really well this season in the game that effectively didn't matter, the game yeah. that was effectively a free hit. And as as pleased as we were last night, and last night I think was the most fun I've had watching town for oh, probably three years, in truth, they've got to back that up against Reading. Because yeah. so far they were very average against Derby. They were awful by their own admission against Fulham. They were pretty poor against Preston, whose level they sunk to. I'll be I'll be honest with you, it was just an awful game that. And then Sheffield United, they were okay and they enacted a plan, but again, it wasn't a perfect performance by any means, and they were very very passive for like over over an hour of that game. I think they ended with something like twenty nine percent possession overall, mm. which. You can do in certain away games, but you've got, you've got to show a little bit more than that in others. So they then played really, really well with a slightly second string side in in the game that didn't matter. They've got to follow that up against Reading. They've got to yeah. got to show it now against Reading and bring that sense of adventure that 
you mentioned the press and it the press was was last night was as sort of sharp and keen as I've seen it for a long time and I think yeah. part of that was part of that was to be frank they felt they had the freedom to commit a little bit more because they weren't they didn't have that championship stress and that championship worry and that hangover from last season they just set about their jobs and they've got to they've got to mentally stay in the same place for Saturday because Reading I think are there to be got at. They have not been great this season. They were they were actively bad in their last game at the weekend. They are there to be got at, and they're not the Reading side of last year who were you know or first uh, half of last year more accurately. Yeah, who were who were actually very very good and had a load of striking options. They've lost their main creator in Elise. It's it it's. It would be a good game to lay down a marker before the international yeah. break in front of a home crowd, if I'm honest. And even if you, even if you don't get the win, even if you get the draw, put that performance in again, so that fans walk away talking about a Silver Thomas flicking it over a fullback's head. That's that's what they have to do now. That's where they need to be. And again, it feels harsh to sort of criticise after a performance like that, but we also have to be realistic. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. I mean, I was I was pretty gushing about the Everton performance. I, I agree that's the most fun I've had watching Town play for ages. The most fun I've had watching a football match in, in attendance for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyable game. And I think you could see the fans felt that as well. I mean, I, I came out um, well after the final whistle, uh, about an hour or so after the final whistle, maybe more. And there were, you know, it wasn't like it was a crowd of hundreds, but there were several dozen town fans waiting outside the players' exit, you know, waiting for them to go on the team bus so they could get autographs and selfies. And I know, obviously, we had 16 months behind closed doors, which would have affected that. But even, you know, even before COVID, I can't, I can't remember the last time I saw that happen. You know, it was... <sighs> I think there's almost a the position I'm in as the club writer for Huddersfield Town. Part of my job is to try and capture the mood, and almost the last few games we've had to sort of in trying to capture the mood, maybe go a little bit too far in our enthusiasm, particularly after that that game last night, um, because you know all of those problems aren't fixed. There is another stinker of a performance waiting around the corner somewhere. Like that is inevitable. That is true of every championship side. But I think yeah. I think there is a world where Town fail to capitalise on this momentum that they've managed to get and and you know this turns out to be just another blip but in the here and now it's I think that that performance against Everton has really got people enthused I've seen people on Twitter saying you know they're actually excited and can't wait for the weekend's game now rather than dreading it as they have Mm. done every weekend for the last eight months Uh, they need to capitalise on that feel-good factor. You know, I think it's apparent that the, the, the players are feeling that way as well. Uh, and, you know, Carlos was almost disappointed after the game last night that they hadn't mm. forced it to penalties. And, you know, Matt from Takes That Chance said, like, I actually really like that he was annoyed <laughs> that they that they didn't, didn't see it out, uh, regardless of how well they'd played. So they, you're right, they need to capitalise on this. And... I think Reading is almost the perfect game for them because that terrible run they had at the start of the year started with a home game against Reading. Mm. So if they put in a performance and get a result against them on Saturday, that is even more of a statement than than the result itself suggests. It is, and I think that like I hate to mention it because it's it's a nightmare 
for journalists, etc. But we got deadline day on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and Town may not recruit because the right options might not be available. The one thing we know about Town in this transfer window is that they want the right options rather than an option right now. And I completely get that approach when you're trying to manage your wage bill and trying to manage your balance sheet. I completely understand that. The thing is, if you lose 2-0 to Reading on Saturday, that immediately becomes an incredibly tough sell to the fans. If you beat Reading 2-0 on Saturday and you're on 10 points, it's okay, alright, you know, we'd like everybody everybody would like their club to sign another eight players, but okay, that's fine. So it's it's quite a big game just from a morale point of view I don't know if they'll recruit or not I suspect they might get at least one body through the door of, of in a, in one position but who knows and it would be nice because Town have had a habit <laughs> when, we're, when we've been podcasting of going into international breaks on a right downer I can't remember which one it was but there was one I think we ended up doing a Q&A Steve because it was an international break and nearly every question we got was, why are town so bad? Why don't they do this? Why haven't they done that? And it would be nice to go into an international break for once thinking, yeah, as it stands, do you know what? They're all right. This is fine. Yeah, things are looking good kind of thing. Yeah, I, th- I agree. There's The next few days are, are massive. I think I asked the question, does Janino Bakuna's sale to Rangers sort of change anything in terms of opening up the purse strings um but i'm told that that probably not that much to be honest i think that Mm. deal is going to be paid in installments i don't think they've got much if anything up front for that yeah and i i also believe that that deal was effectively already in the accounts it's it's not new money you know that they weren't expecting or anything exactly what was going on to say yeah because they said after after the fifth signing of the summer they said right that's it we we can't we can't get any more in until we sell and then they've signed three more players since then you know they got Colwell and Sonani on loan and they signed Tom Lees as a free agent so I think I think that money may already have been spent the, the Bakuna money mm. uh, as much as fans will probably not accept that I think that is the truth of it obviously Lewis O'Brien is the big unknown at this point you know if, if they get and we, the report suggests and I believe this is the case that it's a similar situation to Carl and Grant last year where the fee they've been offered is the right one but the structure isn't right for them they need the money up front mm. um, and it's not worth them doing the deal unless they get that money up front if they don't get that money I would be surprised if they did if they don't get that money I'd be surprised if they did a lot by deadline day or on deadline day to be perfectly honest mm. uh, I just I, I, I'm not sure they're able to do it um, monetarily but if O'Brien does go and hopefully that was if it is going to happen, it gets done tomorrow rather than you know Tuesday. Um, Chicken but... says O'Brien deal done tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, if they do get him sold, they have to replace him. Like the nightmare yeah, scenario yeah, is yeah. they lose they lose to Reading, they sell Lewis O'Brien, and they don't and they're not able to find a replacement. They've had two the last two transfer deadline days have been to be honest couldn't have gone worse for them yeah, uh, yeah, with the Rolando. Rolando Aaron's falling through last October and then that sort of fruitless search for a striker uh, back on the 1st of February um, was was really bad PR and really bad. Mm. Worse than that was, you know, affected the team, hurt their performances, meant they didn't get Sonogo in until almost the end of February and then he needed time to get yeah. up to speed and the ass came in, immediately got injured. It was a nightmare for them. They... they could really do without having another day like that yeah i 
I think they may. There's lots of loan options out there, and I think they may. I I personally think they may bring one body in in one position. I have no inside info. I have no name or anything like that. But I think they might want to do one loan deal, one more loan deal potentially. I think you're right. I think if Lewis goes, they have to replace. So that changes everything. Completely changes the structure. We've already talked that I don't think you 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 in an ideal world you want to try and replace Lewis O'Brien's numbers with two players rather than mm-hmm. one. Um, but already at this point. <laughs> It's it's time moves quickly and I that feels impossible. So that feels like you'd have to get just get one person through the door and see how you go until January. I don't know really. I think the other slightly movable part of this is is Isaac and Benza because mm-hmm. everything has gone very, very quiet on the transfer front there. Um we 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 don't know for definite, but we think there was interest in him earlier in the summer that has has obviously tailed off or it's not coming to anything. There's a wage there, if we're honest, that if that disappeared could also yeah. tip the balance towards getting another body through the door. But if if he's if he's not going, if no one's coming, then <laughs> you're committed you've taken the extra year of that contract. You can't not play it. You can't not pay him. You can not play him, but you can't not pay him. So I think that's the other big unknown at the moment, and it feels like it's start again. It's starting to feel like if Mbenza goes, it's going to be a little bit like Diakabi. It's going to be announced at eleven fifteen <laughs> that he's yeah. he's you know he's gone. So no idea on that front either. But I think there's worse uh, things that could happen than they end, they end up with Mbenza in the playing squad until January. Like yeah, and uh, he, whether he, whether he would be integrated into the playing squad or not, yeah, I think is quite interesting because he's been so far removed from everything and Corbyn has said repeatedly in his press conferences when we've talked about Lewis O'Brien that he has always wanted Lewis O'Brien in his squad and he's been working with him Bakuna and Benzo he's been fairly unequivocal in, in his point that they're not in the squad and he's planned the whole season without them so it'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see if he was integrated I think yeah but I don't know we'll, we'll, we'll need to see how it goes I think I mean as I said earlier they've said that they're probably well all but said they're probably not going to look to replace Pippa um, and I think that's understandable when they've got they know that's now that Sober Thomas can play there and they've looked mm. so good in that back three that that you know playing a wing back is fine um, and they've you know there's other players that could could fill in there at a pinch if uh, you know if if Turton wasn't fancied for whatever reason I think they have Carlos has said that they are looking to add more in a, in attacking areas. You know, I think they're happy with their their centre backs, and their full backs, and their two number sixes. But every other position is, you know, recruitable, and I think that's fair. What would you go for, Dave? If you had to sign one player, it, well, at the risk of repeating ourselves, I, I still don't think they've got a Carolighting replacement. I think whether Lewis goes or Lewis stays, I, I think if Lewis stays. Having Lewis on the left of a three, with Hoggle Vallejo in the middle, and having a creator on the right, with Dwayne Holmes as an option as well. Oh, Scott High, not, not forget oh, Scott High. Yeah, and Scott, well, with Scott High in the mix as well, that suddenly looks, Town's midfield options look quite healthy. But again, it's that same thing of, at the moment, they've got Hog and Vallejo are... They're not the same player, but they they do a very similar job. Vallejo transitions it a bit quicker. Hogs a bit better defensively. 
Mm-hmm. O'Brien, Holmes and High, you know, O'Brien is obviously the standout of the three, but they all play the same sort of game. Um, and High they, energy, driving yeah. the ball, yeah. And what they really could do with is that passer who, I mean, you, you've had some stats about Carol Lighting, didn't you, about their effectiveness with and without him, and it just showed yeah. the difference that having a passer made. And if you had a passer with the way Sorba Thomas is willing to run into positions and potentially Karoma coming back into form and looking for those pockets again, I just think it makes... I think then you can play Fraser Campbell and you can afford, to be frank, Fraser Campbell to not score because you have, you have mm. other options and you have other ways to attack. But the thing is, it's a difficult position to recruit for as well. It's not like I'm saying there's millions of them out there. <laughs> Uh, you can just mm. pick one up. It's not like a goalkeeper. A goalkeeper is a fairly easy position to recruit for because half your workforce is out of work at any time. Yeah. But uh, a creative midfielder is is more difficult, but you'd hope they'd have a list to work down if the opportunity arises. I also think if you asked Carlos Corbran off the record what's the one position you'd want, I I feel almost certain he'd tell you he wanted a Carolighting. Yeah. What would you go for? I'm I've been saying the Carolighting type all summer, but I'm increasingly thinking a centre forward, which is a turnaround for me. I don't think You've I've gone ever gone full fan. Yeah, I know. I don't think I've ever advocated for a centre forward. I just think I I think this is to be honest, this is a knee jerk from me. I'll I'll fully admit that. But I think three four three currently looks like their best option, mm-hmm. um, and I think you can get away with not having that uh, that creator quite so much if you're playing. You know, you can have the, the the two players who give you a lot of energy in in the midfield if you're playing a three four three because they're basically there to. Uh, to, to go box to box and and sort of keep things you know and, and and the 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 ability to cover ground is the most important thing in that system because all the creativity is coming off your flanks that's why you're playing you know you look at how Chelsea did it under um under Conte everything they did came through through the flanks because you're able to have you you not just got your your wing backs pushing on you've got those uh those those wingers as well who are creating stuff but if you're creating stuff you need someone on the end of it yeah which is i don't know i think if you can get someone who is maybe even not quite as good a finisher as jordan Rhodes at his peak <laughs> or quite as good against the ball as fraser campbell is now but is somewhere in between the two and i think they've hoped that danny ward would provide that but he doesn't look right at the moment does he no i just don't think you can count on him at the moment unfortunately good it would be good to see danny ward in a game where he got good service for 90 minutes but you can't you can't keep you can't keep hoping that everything goes right for a single player can you that's when when you've had a year of everything going wrong for him yeah yeah so i don't know i'm sort of torn but again it's i think it's what's available i think if they have an unbelievable um deal on the table for a striker they would take that i think it's almost what comes first for them at this point and then you work around whatever you get in if they get a loan deal i think preferably for that creative midfielder then and that comes before the striker then you go for that i think i think it's almost what comes first what's available between those two two positions at the moment chicken says striker a definite for town (laughs) (laughs) trusted journalist thank you very much that's how uh that's how the other sites would do it um yeah i mean i think we've sort of covered all the bases there is there anything else you want to add dave no i just 
again, without wishing to restate myself, I think if we just look forward a little bit to the Reading game, I just, I really, really hope that Town start really quickly and and they keep that press as as high and as confident and as to be honest with you, what was nice last night and I know the pressure was off, but what was nice last night was just to see individual players and the team in collective positions mm. taking risks. And yes. that's something that Carlos Corbin and Huddersfield Town have been incredibly risk adverse, despite everything Carlos Corbin has said about the way he wants to attack and how he wants to set up. And I just, football at its very best is when you do take risks and when you don't know outcomes. You know, football is not preordained unless you get yourself into a rut and you know exactly what's coming. So I'd just like to see them be quite bold. And if. If it's 1-1, it's 1-1. But if I come away thinking, do you know what? That was really enjoyable again. That was that was really... You could see the, the, the right sort of signs there. That's enough. And it would also be... I mean, a draw wouldn't be a disaster because you'd have to look at the start of the season in context and say that's eight points before the international break. That would be absolutely fine. Ten yeah. points would be well above average, well above where we oh, thought yeah. they'd be. So, yeah. Yeah, I... I agree. I think it's a great opportunity for them, and I think I think you're right that that was what got the fans so enthused against Everton was just that spirit of adventure, that willingness to play. Mm. I think no one expected that. I think people would have forgiven them if against Everton they'd tried to do what they did against Sheffield United and yeah. just shut up shop, play for a nil-nil. The fact that they actually went for it, not only went for it, but actually looked good going for it, yeah. was such such a refreshing thing to see. And you just hope they can keep that up and it's not just a one-off. It's not just players getting up for the big occasion. And if they can, you know, you only get so many noble defeats in a season. Season. Uh, and and obviously against a Premier League side who we've not even really talked about the two Everton goals but they were just moments of Premier League quality really I mean you can't really mitigate for that I don't think anyone is saying what a defensive disaster or anything it's it's just one of those things um, but yeah you just hope that they can they can keep it up and and play this way because I think the last two games the last two league games we've said they don't have the personnel to be adventurous they just need to keep it out tight mm. eke out the wins and we praised Carlos Corbran for doing that because to be honest I really doubted that he was capable of getting a side to play that way and and squeak out wins when they weren't playing very well they've done it in back-to-back games they then needed after Sheffield United with Toffolo back especially I think is is a game changer and sort of yeah. allows them to take the handbrake off um so for them to to go and do that against Everton of all teams and and show what what they're about was was really encouraging but as you say it's one game and there's a long season ahead and a big game at the weekend a big deadline day coming this goodwill that we're feeling at the moment could easily go away and they really need to to make sure they don't waste it yeah Navizar talked last week when I asked him about the dressing room about he said you know they're determined to do better than last season and they understood it was a bad season and everybody is pulling the right way in his own words etc it, it's it's time to that I'm not saying they've they've won these games by accident or got into this position by accident but it's time to actually put at least 45 to 60 minutes together now which is something town haven't done in the league yet we saw mm. a pretty good 20 minutes against Sheffield United but apart from that it's it's there's not been an awful lot there so it's time to sort of take the spirit of that Everton performance 
and at least the first half an hour, like you said, just play with the handbrake off. Uh, just just go for it. If you do concede on the break, you've still got 60 minutes to do something about it. But yeah, just go for it. Just be just be bold. Just be brave. Yeah, fantastic. Right, where can people follow you on Twitter, David Hartrick? Well, quite frankly, it's none of your business. Good. Uh, I'm at Stephen Chicken, Stephen with a V, and Dave, Dave is at David Hartrick. Uh, we're at Examiner HTAFC. Uh, Dave is on shift with us for the Examiner through the rest of the week, uh, and I will be with you on Friday as well. And we'll obviously have all the usual coverage for you on Saturday over at examinerlive.co.uk. And while you're there, get signed up to the newsletter. Um, just means you don't miss any of the big stories. Gets it straight to your inbox, and uh, and you'll stay on top of all the latest town news and views. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>